<laughs> okay, so we are. I have um, in Gimel. I have nine. notes. Like I have translation yeah. to like. Till right here. Perfect. Yeah, nine. Okay, perfect. Yes. We're on page nine. So this is so the second page, basically. Sif Gimel. And we're on the second paragraph of, on the left. And so we, we are trying to understand, basically, the claim of the moon to Hashem that two, that two kings cannot rule with one crown. And so, so far, we're kind of trying to poke holes in the... I'm using the term poke holes, but there's the basic understanding of that, which we get from Rashi, which is that the moon was jealous, wanted the crown for itself, wanted the sun to be kind of less, you know, wanted the sun at the end of the day to be made less, but as a punishment, the moon was made smaller. That's how we understand it from a surface level, but we're not understanding that for quite a few reasons. We started off with the basic one, why would Hashem create something just to change it, right? Um, Hashem created a perfect world, a ready world, why would he change it immediately if the moon had a correct claim why is she being punished and if she had an incorrect claim then if she had an incorrect claim then why is Hashem appeasing her so we're we're now still trying to understand the claim of the moon so far we said it can't be that the moon is just jealous right that we said Hashem looked at the world and he saw that it was that his creations what he had made was Tov Ma'od was very good he was happy with what he had done so why Why would the moon be coming up with this claim? So we're going to elaborate a little bit more and then we're going to start understanding what the moon is actually trying to say. So it will be yoter So with even more of a question. Okay, so we're adding a layer now, another layer to the question we've had until now. And again, this is Hebrew. If the Hebrew is too much, you can follow along just with, by the translation. If you're following in the Hebrew and you have a question on a word, let me know. Okay. After Hashem said to the moon, You go and diminish yourself. Hashem needed to appease her. As we see from the following words of the Gemara, from the continuation, that Hashem said to her, in response to her complaint, why are you reducing me? I said something correct. <laughs> Go rule by day and by night. Shine alongside the sun by day, as well as shining by night. And not only this, Ella, rather, that she wasn't appeased by this, Vatana, and claimed, what's the point of a candle being lit during the day? What use do I have shining alongside the sun? Nobody notices me. Nobody needs my light. Zil liyamina bach Yisrael yamim v'shanim. So what did Hashem respond? That the Jewish people will count days and years by you. We will have a lunar calendar. V'gamzelo espikla. And this also was not enough for her. But Tana in her claim, Yoma nemi e'efshar deloi mano beit kufasa. But it's not possible that we will also not count by the sun. Right? We have certain time periods that go according to the sun. For example, the time that the festivals need us fall out are according to the sun, according to the seasons. And that's why we have a leap year, which is the explanation of Rashi, etc. Seemingly, this claim, Hakina. Hagaroa comes from a terrible type of jealousy. 
because why does she care? She hatkufot that there will also be certain time periods that are calculated according to the sun. Kevan shemashla lo yigraklum, since this will not actually um, bother her in any way. But Adarab, on the contrary, dafka ba specifically on her taloi ruba. The majority is dependent for ikaroi, and the main thing shalmanin hayamim of counting the days. We know that even though there's this concept that exists called alipia. At the end of the day, the Jewish people follow a lunar calendar. So what is going on here? Hashem is trying to appease the moon. Why? If the claim, if she's just jealous, why is he trying to appease her? And why seemingly does her jealousy just seem to mount by getting all upset? Yeah, you're promising me these things, but the, but the sun also, um, you know, but the sun also gets to be counted. So what's going on here? Dafka And to the point that that afterwards Hashem responded with another appeasement, Zil that Sadikim will be named after you, will be called Hakatan, the name of the moon. Chazi, but then Hashem saw the Loika Mitba Data that her opinion had not changed. Amara Kadesh Baruch Hashem said, Kapara Alai, bring an atonement for me, for the fact that I have made the moon small. So from the fact that Hashem responds again and again with appeasements, we can't just say that the moon was just jealous, okay? Hashem would just not listen to her or answer if it was a petty, silly thing, which we originally said can't be a petty, silly thing that we're talking about. The moon, we're talking about creations that were perfect and that Hashem was very happy with that were good. So what is, what's going on? What is the claim of the moon? So now we're going to get into it. Okay, so bottom of page nine. We all can sarech laimar. Therefore, we need to say, shemio talavana, that the reduction, the making smaller of the moon, huchelek mesader, it's something that's organized. The often briata ma'arat, and the way that God created the luminaries, in the six days of creation. Klomar, which means to say. So we need to say that there wasn't a mistake here and there wasn't jealousy here. Hashem didn't make a mistake. I need to be reminded that something needed to be fixed. And the moon wasn't just petty and jealous because we see Hashem was clearly appeasing her and changing things around for her. So we need to say that the way that things happen and the process of what happened, that Hashem first created two great luminaries that were equal, Again, not in size, but in greatness. Then the moon came, had her claim. Then she was reduced. And then we had all these appeasements. This was always according to the plan. Lichatchila, as we say initially. Klomadus means to say. Gambitchila. Also in the beginning. Haita kavanatabora. Hashem's. Where are you again? At the top of page 10, third line. Klomar, gambitchila, haita kavanatabore. The intention of the creator of Hashem was that they should be, but often in a way, of there being a great light and a lesser light. The Kyoshona Katuv, as we see what's written in the Pasuk, and Hashem made at Shnehamarot the two lights, the great light, and the lesser light. that the simple meaning of the verse is 
שמלכתחילה, that initially, originally, נבראו שני המערות בכוונה, both luminaries were created intentionally, שיהיה אחד מהם גדול, that one of them should be big, the אחד מהם קטן, and one of them should be small. So Hashem's intention was always that the moon should be lesser and that the sun should be greater when it comes to the way the creation works. Ella, rather, however, the order of how they were created, Haya Tsarichlios, I think. Yeah, Haya Tsarichlios was necessary for it to be in two stages. So as we see from the verse, Hashem, within the same verse, created two great luminaries, a bigger luminary and a smaller luminary. This had to be done in two stages. that originally, Asa Elokim, Hashem made Shnei HaMa'orat HaGdolim, two great luminaries, he made them equal. He created them originally equal, V'yacharkach, and afterwards, Al Yadei Miyotah Levana, through making the moon smaller, Nishalku, they were divided, Lios Mar Hagadol V'marakatan to being the great light and the lesser light. Ella rather, Sheheyoz Shehasiba. We see that the reason Vahatzorech and the need Beshinoize in this change, Heimitzad Mitzios Halavana, come from the perspective of the moon. Kedalkaman, as will be explained. So this is going to be explained. Lachen Bahamiot Aliyadei Tana Talavana, and therefore this reduction came through the claim of the moon. So what the Rebbe basically just did in this paragraph is answer the question, okay? However, we need to elaborate on this to really understand what's going on. This, this happens sometimes, like that the Rebbe or different Rebbe, and I've mentioned this before, will answer a question in a paragraph, sometimes in two lines, and it's like, okay, you may not necessarily walking away with a true answer, and then it's the true answer, but with the understanding behind the logic behind the answer, and now the rest of the sikh is gonna be opening up this answer. But what did Hashem say? This was not a mistake, and this was on the part of Hashem, that he created two lights and then, oh, whoops, one needs to be smaller. And this was not a petty, jealous complaint on the side of the moon, because Hashem was actually waiting for the moon to come and make her claim. The original intention of the creation of the sun and the moon was that they should be created in two stages. First stage, created equal. Second stage, that the moon should come, give her claim, and then be reduced. This was always part of the original plan. And so the question then becomes, <clears throat> the question now becomes why? Right, and that's kind of what we're going to be exploring. And once we can explore that, we'll understand what the claim of the moon really is. And we'll understand what the appeasements are coming to teach us. So we need to understand why did God want to create the luminaries in a two-step process? And why did the second stage of the process need the moon to come with her claim before it actually doing so? Because Hashem could have just created it one way and immediately changed it. But God waited for the moon to come, even though this was always his plan. Waited for the moon to give her claim to complain, to then put in stage two of the way that the... Luminaires were always supposed to function and work. It's not free choice. <laughs> it's 
it's not really like whatever free choice <laughs> that's a big one you're saying when it comes to the moon because god yeah. will always initiate yeah 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 this is a big this, this is the question <laughs> i don't know the answer that's the truth if god knows what we're gonna do and god plans what we're gonna do sometimes then is it really free choice when it comes to the free choice of the moon maybe it's not such a problem also it's not like a person so like... <laughs> right so maybe you know i don't think we've ever been promised that the moon has free choice and the truth is actually that the way we've understood things is that um the only creations that have free choice are people yeah right <laughs> so it wouldn't be such an issue here but then there are places that will say that hashem always intended for adam to sin and for him not to stay in Gan Eden. So then, you know, that's where the questions come in and that's where I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's where I don't really know. It's, it's, a, um, it's a separate topic. <laughs> We're going to actually talk about free choice um, when it comes to Purim, but not necessarily in the context of like, if, of this question, which personally for some reason has never bothered me. But I've heard it a lot. Like, yeah. if God knows what we're going to do, because he knows the future, then how do we have free choice, right? I know, I always heard one marshal. It's the famous, have you heard of it? That um, a parent, when they are, they can, you know, put their child in front of them and they're going to offer them an apple and a chocolate bar. And the parent knows what the child is going to choose, for a fact. They're going to choose the chocolate bar. But they're giving them the choice. But they know what they're going to choose. Yeah. So that's kind of like, and for me... Right, there's still the opportunity for the kid to choose the apple, but you know what they're going to choose. So for me, like that's where my that question ended. I heard that Marshall look great, but for the people who like really think, you know, sometimes it's it's not enough, and I get that too. But you know what you are going to choose. Right, so that's the thing. Once we get into the questions, there, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Right, you don't know what you're going to choose. The free choice maybe is coming from your perspective. It's it's a. Uh, it's a topic. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But when it comes to the moon, it's okay if the moon doesn't have free choice. That's not like, that doesn't contradict yeah. anything that we understand so far, right? Okay. Let us continue. Dalid on page 10. Now, what we're going to do is typical of certain types of le like learning from the Rabbim, which is that we're going to learn an idea that is connected, but it's also a little bit not in order to be able to answer the question. So <laughs> the truth is I, I kind of, um, when I answered yesterday, I forgot about this section of it. Um, Cause usually when I, when I teach this class, sometimes I teach it outside and so then I don't bring it in. But yeah, so, okay. <laughs> so when we go to dialogue now, we're going to learn about the difference but it, there's a very clear correlation. It's not like we're going to like a whole new thing. We're going to learn about the difference between the written Tyra and between the oral Tyra, okay, as they are compared to the sun and the moon. What possible connection do you think there could be between the written Tyra and the sun and the oral Tyra and the moon? Like the sun's light is revealed, like the written Tyra is? Like, um, more obvious, like it's written, it's more obviously revealed. And then the moon uses the sun like the moon's light is from the sun right something how, how does that or, connect that the moon's light is from the sun how does that connect like to the written and oral tyra we need we need the written tyra for the oral yeah yeah uh, there you go <laughs> we the oral tyra has to always be sourced back to the written tyra mm -hmm. there's no such thing as like a chiddush in the oral tyra that's never that doesn't have a source that doesn't exist 
And we say the same thing with all levels of Tyra. They have to be sourced back to the written Tyra. And if they're not, it's not Tyra. So the written Tyra, as you said, also is more revealed, more tangible and seen, and more accepted, I guess we can say. There, there, there are groups who have, um, what's the word? Denied, I guess. There's a better word, but who have denied the validity of the oral tire, but not that of the written tire, right? Um, and also the main thing, which is what you said, the the moon's light comes from the sun, right? We know that, right? That this, the light of the moon is not her own light. It comes from the sun. And we're going to talk about this afterwards, how actually that's originally how it was also beforehand, but that the greatness was equal. So we'll talk about that. And the oral Tyra's light, wisdom, teachings are all sourced back and dependent on the written Tyra. So we're first going to learn about the dynamics of the written and oral Tyra. And then we're going to relate that back, that very thing back to the sun and the moon. So we're not going to like a totally different idea, but we're not going to be talking about the sun and the moon for the next ice or two. Okay? <laughs> Dalit. The yesh lavarza behekdem, and we have to explain this with an introduction. Hayadua, of which is known. De estakel ba ba'oraisa vabara alma. Hashem looked into the Tyra and created the world. Have you heard the concept that the Tyra is the blueprint of the world? This is the source for that idea. That God looked into the Tyra and based on the Tyra created the world. Shekol davar v'davar shabaolam. That every single thing that exists in the world, makara batyra. Its source is in Tyra. Shehi had deep patriot. I have no idea what this word is. I think it's supposed to be like an English word that's written in Hebrew, but I'm not sure. It's the blue, I think it means blueprint. I have to check, but I'm pretty sure that that's the word for blueprint. It's the blueprint from which the world was created. And this is the same thing. This is the case when it comes to the luminaries, when it comes to the sun and the moon. The sun and the moon. They didn't just appear out of nowhere in terms of that God was like, oh, this is a nice idea, a sun and the moon. The concept of the sun and the moon as it exists spiritually always existed and is sourced in Tyra. They have a beginning, a source in the Tyra. And according to their content, as they are in Tyra, they were drawn down and descended in Yanam into the idea into a physical sun and moon. <coughs> this is the case with everything physically, and especially when we're talking about such great physical creations as the sun and the moon. Their original concept and content and existence is sourced in the Torah. And we can learn about the function of the sun and the moon and then about the role of their creation being created in two stages by first learning a little bit about Tyra. So according to this, according to the fact that the sun and the moon are sourced in Tyra, we can say, we need to say, that the way that Hashem created the lights, that they were first created equally, two great lights, and again, Remember, equal 
but different. What was the different but not less? Fine. But they, they were equal, but they were different. They weren't the same. The sun and the moon were not the same size. They were not the same type of light. And actually the moon was always receiving her light from the sun. But their greatness and their impact and their quality of light was equal. Was equal. So their quality of light was equal. Was equally important. So the way that they were created, at first they were created as two great lights, and afterwards, specifically through the complaint of the moon, which was, that it is not possible for two kings to rule with one crown. The moon had to reduce herself. Yuvan, it is understood, it will be understood, a pibir according to an explanation, tochen inyan shemesh velavana kafishah in the Torah. The concept of the sun and the moon as they exist in Torah. Okay, so we're not going very far-fetched here, okay? We're not going to a whole nother realm. But we first need to understand a little bit about the relationship as we're going to see between the written Torah and the oral Torah. And then we're going to understand how that teaches us about the sun and the moon. Mavuar b'shaloh HaKadosh. The Shalai explains, Sheshnei Hamaoiris, that the two luminaries, Kvishehem Batayra, as they are sourced and explained in Taira, Hein Taira Shabichsav, the Taira Shabalpeh. These are the written Taira and the oral Taira. And we're familiar at this point, right? Everybody with written Taira, oral Taira? Yeah? Okay. Okemerumaz Gamba Medrash, as is also hinted to in the Medrash al Hapasuk on the verse. And he was there with Hashem. Who was with Hashem? Maishem. The verse from Parshas Kisisa, where Maishem ascended the mountain. Maishem was there with Hashem for 40 days, and 40 nights. And the Medrash takes this verse and teaches us. From where did Maishem know? A Masayom, when it was daytime. When we say that Moshe went to the top of a mountain, okay, he wasn't at the top of a mountain as we go hiking and go to the top of a mountain, okay? <laughs> he was in heaven. Moshe was in heaven and he was seeing angels and he was learning Torah directly from Hashem. He was in a reality that was way beyond the physical. And it says he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. So the Medrash asks a basic question. How did he know when it was day and when it was night? What does the Medrash answer? Kshaela. When Hashem would teach him the written Torah, he knew that it was now day. When he taught the Mishnah and the Talmud, which we call the written Torah, he knew that it was night. So the Medrash this is the source of this idea that there's a connection between the written Torah and the day. The day is ruled by the sun. So a connection between the written Torah and the sun and a connection between the oral Torah and the moon and the nighttime because he knew when he was learning oral Torah that it was night. Moshe did not only receive the written Torah on Harsinai. And this is one of the basic principles of our faith, which is that Moshe received the written and oral Torah equally, just one was written down. Well, one he was instructed to write down and one he was instructed to teach orally. They're sourced both Moshe Misenai which is a very important thing to start saying, oh, but that's from the written Torah, that's from the oral Torah, there's one that's more important than the other. That's like not, you know, that's, that's not accurate in any way. 
both were received from Hashem at Har Sinai at the same time. But the Medrash teaches us that he was taught the written Torah in the daytime because there's a correlation between the sun, the written Torah, and he was taught the oral Torah at night, which is connected to the moon. And then the Shalah, who came way, way later, who was a Kabbalist, teaches that explicitly that the sun and the moon correspond to the written and oral Torah, which is also brought and hinted to in the Medrash. So now we need to understand why, and why we, we basically introduced by saying before how the oral Torah receives from the written Torah, but let's expound on this. Why? What's the connection between the moon and the oral Torah and the sun and the written Torah? <coughs> Last paragraph on page 10. The so Tam... No, it's like, and here, now I understand where the main hope is coming from. Not to, learn, not to learn the oral Torah in, in the... I didn't know about that. Like, There's a minhag not to learn the oral Torah in the day? Uh, in the night. In the night. Like, but the oral Torah is connected to the night. The oral Torah is connected to the moon. And the written Torah is connected to the sun. Like, you're, you're, you can read... Like, I know about Tehillim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like, the, you can read... You, like, Tehillim, Tehillim. Also... There's so many people who, like, learn Gemara at night. No, that's, like, the whole image of the old man with his candle and the Gemara right. open in the middle of the night. Like, so, like <laughs> that would ruin, remember, like, my whole... Remember, remember, like, you were Interesting. To, like, Read like maybe maybe that way around. Like I don't remember. Maybe you're supposed to read like only the Humash part and then not like not the Hazal or whatever. Or only Hazal. Like I it's think. possible. It's possible. The night. Yeah, the night has certain uh, energies that we need to be careful of. That's why we don't give stuck then and certain things. Don't sit to Hillem then. Stuck? I don't get topic. Yeah, we don't get stuck at night. We don't get stuck at night. There's a certain energy. Um, Hashem infused. We've discussed this briefly before. Hashem infused different energies into different time periods. And the best time energy, by the way, is in the morning. Um, like, like the first quarter of the day. And she says, <laughs> Vayash came Avram Babaika, that Avram woke up in the morning. In the morning from the next until when? I think it's from, like, from sunrise until Chatzais. Like, until the half of the day. It's considered, like, the, the, like, just the best kind of energy. And most of us see that like if you really want to get good things done do them in the morning right <laughs> even for non-morning people it's 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 a real thing and it's sourced from this idea of Ayashke Mamran Babaiker um and that there's just like the best mazal and energy in the morning which is interesting because don't our day don't our day start at night essentially essentially it's like a sunrise is it's still night time like ah, it still looks like okay. night sunrise still kind of is pretty dark, but uh, but I know our day starts when the sun starts to. Uh, I think so. Okay. Um, I think so. I'm I'm not uh, truth. I'm not an expert in that like halachic zman like, like at all, but from what from what I understood, like from when the sun starts to rise is called. Nates. Yeah. Right, nates, literally like the beginning nates. of sunrise, until I think it's chatzais. Um, I think it might even be divided into earlier than chatzais, like the ten a.m. There's, oh gosh, I remember learning this, that how the day is divided. I think it's yeah, into you 12. The, you take the day that there's sun, sunlight, right. divided by 12. Divided by 12. And that's an halachic hour. Okay, so that's halachic So it's not exactly the same, right, as our hours, but it's, pr- it's like, it's like close. yeah. So, so I think it's the first three hours, from what I understood, of that halachic time, like the early kind of morning but is considered the... And also what you're saying is true also, that like, our days do start at night. But not oh, you were saying light. that our day, like, oh. okay, yeah. I misunderstood you. Uh, that our day starts the night before. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
That's true. Sorry, I misunderstood no, you. No, 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 that's okay. I, that's, I thought you meant that the, the halachic daytime starts while it's still night. Ah, uh, okay. Um, no, like the date, yeah. the date, uh-huh. the date starts the night. Sorry, starts the night. But the daytime starts. Like, oh, I see. The morning will go yeah. at this time yeah. from the vehicle, from the outskirts of the city to the uh, to the city. Yeah, oh, you're saying that's the source of the idea. Okay. Okay. So, now we're going to give the reason. Why is the Tarsha B'chisav, why is Tarsha B'chisav compared to nighttime, compared to the moon? Why, how did Moshe know, oh, I'm learning Tarsha B'chisav, that means it's nighttime now. So, the Tamadav, the reason for this is, bottom of page 10, last paragraph, Shabbat Tarsha B'chisav, that the Tarsha B'chisav, the oral Tarsha Nikris is called Hama'or HaKatam, the lesser light. Why? He because the oral Torah is that which receives from the written Torah. As it says in the Gemara. Oh gosh, I'm not remembering what this is. I'm in... I'm not remembering what this is. Let me put a... Can I borrow your this quickly? I'm just gonna put a little star here to check what this is saying. Okay. Let's see the source of it. Okay. Kamai Halavana, just as the moon, Hamakabelis Arma Shemesh, receives her light from the sun. Wait, um oh Kabel oh, never mind, it's like Kabelis to give, right? Yes. Okay. Is it, oh, sorry, sorry, oh, it's okay, to receive. Okay, sorry, okay, that's I right. It's yeah. to receive. Mechabelis <laughs> is to receive. So just as the sun, the moon receives from the sun. Um, and also the things that are sages implemented. So we have almost, you can call it three categories. Um, but we don't see this for categories. We have the written Torah, we have the oral Torah, and then we have things that are called mitzvahs derabonon, right? Mm-hmm. The mitzvahs derabonon came much later than Moshe teaching the oral Torah. Yeah. However, as we're going to see here, we see them in the category of the oral Torah. We do not differentiate. Although, we do, when it, com- okay, when it comes to like our practical doing the mitzvahs, we don't say, oh, that's derabonon, that's less important. Like that's, really not how we see Judaism. However, when it comes to certain shilas and questions and we present it according to a rabbi, a rabbi will maybe say, okay, Durabonon, Dorais, like where does it come from when let's say looking for a leniency in a very difficult type of situation. But the way that we we don't look at lighting Shabbos candles as like, oh, well, that's from the rabbis, which it is, <laughs> right? That's, it's Tyra as much as everything else. So the rabbi here is saying that the the gazeris how would we say the gazeris the conus fences decrees that the rabbis gave us also fall into this so the decrees that our sages and prophets decreed in every generation etc that in every generation we need to experience leaving egypt etc because of these are also founded in the written Torah. The Mishmartem es Mishmarasai, it says in the written Torah, we need to guard Hashem's commandments. Asu Mishmeres, the Mishmarasi, we need to make boundaries and guards around the laws. 
la sois sieg la tire to make a fence around the tire. As they heard directly from Moshe Bapirosh in the explanation, to fulfill the instructions of Moshe Bapirosh in the written Torah, to make a fence around the Torah. So the Rebbe is saying that the mitzvahs de Rabbanan are also in this category of what we would call oral Torah in the way that they are dependent on the written Torah. Even though the rabbis came in and seemingly gave totally new things that had never been heard from Moshe and Sinai, every Gezeirah, Every decree and new law and fence that was put up had to also be sourced in the written Torah. And the source for this idea, for what we would call all these fences, for example, like muktzah, that you can't touch certain things on Shabbos, which comes from the rabbis, it's all sourced in the written Torah, which is that we need to make fences and guard, and guard the mitzvahs. Okay? So that's just a parenthesis. Side point. But Lefize, so according to this, according to the fact that the oral Torah receives from the written Torah like the moon receives from the sun, Yeshlavar, we can explain. Where are you? Second paragraph of page 11 on the right. Right, we just started. So according to this, we can explain. That in the beginning, Hashem created the two great lights. And afterwards, Hashem reduced the moon. What does this mean? The fact that the oral Torah, he makabel that its function is to receive from the written Torah, who rak mitzad bnei Yisrael is only from the perspective of the Jewish people, makable hatayra, those who receive the Torah, shehahalachais vatzivoyim, the laws and commandments that are sourced, that are taught to us from the oral Torah. Nitnu lahem was given to them, to the Jewish people, lilmod mitarash to learn and to trace back to the written Torah, al yodei yud gimomidais, through the 13 attributes, shehat Torah nidreshet bahem, that the Torah necessitates, there are laws, there are literal like laws about how things need to be sourced back, etc. etc. And then the Rebbe brings also, this is the same thing also from when it comes to the Gezeiras, and the decrees and the minhagim that we have, that they're all sourced back from the written Torah, but they are seen as being the receivers from our perspective. What does this mean? Masha'enken, on the other hand, from the perspective of Hashem. Noisen ha the giver of the Torah, ein Torah shabal peh, begeder makabel the Torah Shabbat Peh does not fall into the category of a receiver from the written Torah. Both of them fall into this category called the great luminaries. Because they were all given from one shepherd, from Hashem. As the Rambam says, All of the mitzvahs with all of their explanations and details were given from Hashem, Haya Omer Lai Hametzave, he would the commander would say to him, Tarshav Chsav Yacharkach Omer Lai Hashem, Pirushav Enyanei, and then Hashem would bring her explanation. So I was saying something here that's very interesting. From our perspective, as receivers of the Torah, as Jewish people, we received the Torah in two stages, right? We received first the written Torah, mm-hmm. all at once. 
and then we received the oral Torah kind of slowly, right? And that it's all traced and sourced back into the written Torah. And so we see the relationship of the oral and written Torah as one of giver and one of receiver, and one of more important and one of less important. If you would be honest and somebody would confront you and say, well, which one is more like... I don't know, it's more legit. Let's use that word, right? We, we know that the automatic answer from the beginning of time has been, well, the written tire that was written straight away directly from Maisha. We know that there's no mistakes and, you know, there hasn't been any uh, misunderstandings and, you know. However, from Hashem's perspective, the giver of the Tyra, these two elements of Tyra, one that's called the written tire, one that's called the oral Tyra, they exist equally by him. There is no distinction and separation. The only difference is the way that Hashem decided to transmit and to educate them, pass them on to us, which was in the stage that one is written and one is oral and one is, is being sourced back into the other. But from Hashem's perspective, these are two equal parts of Tyra 100%. So the Rebbe is going to elaborate on this and then we're going to connect it to the sun and the moon, this idea, okay? So everything we're saying here, as we said before, there's a parallel and a connection between written Torah sun, oral Torah moon, okay? And we said that so too. Hashem created the sun and the moon equally in the beginning and then changed them. From Hashem's perspective as well, Hashem created, so to speak, if you can use the word created, the Torah as equal. There's two parts to Torah, written and oral, but they're equal by him. But then the way that he chose to transmit them to the receivers, the way from our perspective that they were received, we see one as being higher than the other because one is dependent, so to speak, on the other. So let's, let's elaborate on this for now. Hey, but I'll make your So in a little bit more detail now, let's see how this works with the sun and the moon. The fact that the written and oral Tyra called by the names of sun and moon It's not only because of their relationship one with the other the fact that the moon receives from the sun and so too the oral Tyra receives from the written rather also, that's true but also Geder Noisen Hatira, because so too the written Torah emphasizes the giver of the Torah, this Shemesh, the Mashpia. What's the role of sun? To shine, to give light, and so too the written Torah gives over the Torah Shabbat the oral Torah Mudgash Geder Makable Hatira. And the oral Torah falls into this category of a Levana, of moon, of a receiver. Okay? So we're going to discuss that, but what's the role of giver? What's the role of the receiver? The simple difference between the written and oral Torah are The written Torah is exactly as it was transmitted at Har Sinai with its exact letters there was none left out and there were none added and we know that this is there are very very strict rules with how to rewrite a new Sefer Tyra you can't add you can't leave out and even Tyra scrolls were found from over a thousand years ago parts of it we see that there's literally there's no differences between the Tyra we have now and then there are very very strict rules of being 
transmitting the written Torah. Which really emphasizes this is the Torah of Hashem. This is the Torah that we received from Har Sinai. There's no, inter there's no involvement and interpretation through man. This is the way we received it from Hashem, what we would call the letter of the law. You heard that idea before? Mm -hmm. The letter of the law. Exactly as we received it, letter by letter, word from word from Harsinai, that's the way the Torah Shabbat works. That nothing was added, nothing was taken away, it's the very same thing. As we'll see, the oral Torah, is, that's not the case. This is not the case with the oral Torah. Her category is Havanata Adam. The understanding of man, the way that we understood things and interpreted them and then transmitted them on. There's a rule when it comes to the oral Torah that if you're learning oral Torah and you have no idea what it's saying, you haven't learned it. If someone picks up a Gemara and starts to say words, it's as if he's not fulfilling the obligation. Mm -hmm. If someone picks up a Chumash and starts to say words, have you ever heard of Chitas? Unfortunately, yeah. many people, <laughs> that's what they end up doing because there's a lot <laughs> that you need to say. Are you, have you said Chitas if you didn't understand what you were saying and you were reading the Torah? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because there is, uh, I don't even know if I want to call the word holiness, but let's put it. There's a holiness in the letters themselves of the written Torah that just by opening them up and saying them and connecting to them, you're connecting to the very letters that were transmitted on, but to us from Hashem at our Sinai. So there's this almost, from our perspective, again, it's very important to remember that legitimacy that the written Torah has over the oral Torah, because the written Torah is exactly as we received it from Hashem. Letter by letter, word by word. The oral Torah is very dependent on the interpretation and the understanding of man, to the point that if you just open up the oral Torah, which is Torah, and you have no idea what it's saying, and you just say words, you're not fulfilling the commandment of, of learning it. Okay, let's finish this paragraph. The ad to the point, that we are allowed to create new ideas in Torah, right? This is something that exists today and has existed for all of time. The idea of coming up with a chiddush and a new idea in Torah. I know this means that the whole concept of the oral Torah comes about and is revealed through the Jewish people specifically. We bring about the oral Torah and transmit it on one from the other and interpret it and understand it according to our perspective and then pass it on obviously there are categories and rules for that as well you can't just be like oh well i think it's this and therefore that's what i'm going to teach my children right there are boundaries there however the way that the oral Torah comes about is way more dependent on the understanding of man and our perspective whereas the written Torah is very much from hashem's perspective okay um okay so let's let's put a stop here we're getting to the beginning of the answer, okay? So I wanna just give you the beginning of the answer is that there are two perspectives. And we've come to this conclusion a lot when we learn Hasidus, and this isn't even necessarily pure Hasidus. There's, in this context over here, in this story that we're exploring, there are two perspectives. There's Hashem's perspective, and there's the world's perspective, okay? And not necessarily the way that Hashem sees things is the way that we're able to see things as they end up transmitting into this world. And you know, we just spoke about well, which is higher, Tyro Mitzvahs. It's like, well, from whose perspective? From what perspective? The way it transmitted down here, Tyra is higher. The way they're sourced above, so to speak, Hashem's perspective, Mitzvahs are higher. What's higher, the sun or the moon? What's higher, 
the written Torah or the oral Torah? What's higher, and we're going to explore this, the role of giver or the role of receiver? And the answer is going to be, well, it depends whose perspective you're asking about. Okay? So we're going to continue, we're going to finish hey, and then we're going to get into, um, get into this comparison a little bit more. But what we've said so far about written and oral Torah specifically is that they were transmitted differently. One is very dependent on just receiving it directly from our Sinai, from Hashem, passing it on letter by letter. One is very prone to the interpretation and understanding and dependent on the understanding of man. But from Hashem's perspective, as Tarsh Valpan, Tarsh exist up on high by Hashem, they're totally equal. There's no difference in level whatsoever. But as they were transmitted and received by us, we have different perspectives on how they look, and the written Torah seems to be more important than the oral Torah. Okay, so we're with the marshal of the written and oral Torah, we're slowly starting to get to, to the answer. Okay. Mm-hmm.